Welcome to Slated to Discuss, a podcast exploring trends, developments, and issues shaping the world of real estate and infrastructure. Hosted by Slate Asset Management, a global real asset investor and manager, this podcast will feature original, forward-thinking, and even unconventional perspectives from experts and trailblazers, interviewed by a rotation of Slate leaders. Head to slateam.com where you can subscribe to the Slated to Discuss podcast on your favorite platform, learn more about Slate's real estate, infrastructure, and securities capabilities, and discuss any of the ideas you hear on today's episode. Now over to your host, Bojana Jankowska, Managing Director and Head of ESG at Slate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Slated to Discuss. Today, I'm excited to be joined by brothers and co-founding partners at Slate Asset Management, Brady and Blair Welch. Brady and Blair are veterans of the real estate industry with careers that span over 30 and 25 years respectively. They launched their careers in private equity real estate just as the industry was getting off the ground and have since worked with influential leaders at pioneering firms like Fortress Investment Group, Bankers Trust, First National Financial Corporation, Embraces Advisors, now Lone Star Funds. Their careers have taken them across the globe, from Toronto to Tokyo, New York, London, Chicago and beyond. And today, they are sitting down with us to discuss all things ESG in real estate including the evolution of ESG within the sector, how it has accelerated at different paces globally, what they are hearing from investors on the topic and more. For those of you who want to hear from the industry leaders on where they see the direction of ESG in real estate going and how they are thinking about the topic, stay tuned. Hey, Brady Blair, welcome to our first Slated to discuss podcast. How are you feeling today? Great. How are you? We're good. We should have a quite interesting discussion ahead of us, uh, topic being all on ESG. So this is our first kickoff podcast for Slated to discuss. We've got a bunch of topics to discuss on ESG. But I think before we launch into the core of the meat of the ESG discussion, you, Brady and Blair, are both founders, co-founders of Slate Asset Management, which was launched in 2005. Both of you have extensive experience in the world of real estate. And actually doing a little bit of math, Blair, you've got 25 years experience, over 25 years experience in real estate. Brady has over 30 years experience in real estate. I have over 20 years of experience in sustainability. So a combined experience of real estate and sustainability brings us up to the grand old age of 75 years. I think that's a hell of an achievement. I guess I'm the older one then. <laughs> right. So let's get started. So why don't we launch into some questions about yourselves, Brady and Blair? So Blair, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about your journeys in real estate where your careers have taken you over the last 20 to 25 years? Our journey in real estate, it's been great. And when we started, because Brady and I started working together in the business, first of all, our father was a developer. But when we started in, I would say, the institutional space, we've started in a downturn and we've worked through other cycles. And I think we're entering into a different cycle from a real estate fundamental perspective. And then Brady and I both had really good fortune of working in different countries from Canada to the US, 
through Europe and Asia. And so given that we all talked about our collective experience, we've had a really good opportunity to see different market cycles from different locations. So it, it really, through different lenses, we've seen real estate, real estate investors and real estate operators react to challenges. I think entering into the new world where we're going, because you can't stop how the world changes, we feel that we're in a good position to move forward and capitalize on some of the opportunities. Great. Lots of experience there. And Brady, why didn't you walk us through your extensive experience? Further to what Blair ran through, we've intentionally tried to learn from others. We had the good fortune of really working in the infancy of real estate private equity with people that we thought were very smart in building platforms. And we, we tried to take what we've learned from them and what we thought they did very well and kind of combine it into the ethos and the culture of Slate as we've grown our platform. Well, actually, that's a really good kind of lead on to the next question, which I want to put to the both of you. And that is, you know, when we think about ESG, environmental, social and governance, when did that first come onto your radar screens? And how have you seen the landscape evolve since you started in real estate? Brady, do you want to kick off? If I look back, it's always been there as an investor and as a fiduciary of capital. There's really three main stakeholders when you're thinking about it. It's our investors and kind of what they're looking for. And you are a fiduciary of the capital. There are customers as owning real estate the people that pay you rent are your customers and what's important for them. And then the third thing is the stakeholder is government and government policy. And those three things you need to be fully aware of when you're building strategies, when you're making decisions and calculated investment decisions on how you want to operate and what type of assets you want to own. Because at the end of the day, you don't day trade real estate. Real estate is a long-term investment. And so you're always thinking of how do I add value to this real estate? So in the future, it's worth more. Or if you're going to sell an asset or refinance an asset, then you've created value in that asset. So it is actually a better asset in the future than what it is when you bought things. We like to buy undercapitalized real estate or undermanaged real estate. There's more potential to add value. We've been doing that since we started the company. And with the emergence of ESG, I think that just focuses it. I mean, there's two things that we hear. When we want to invest in any strategy we do, we think about where do people want to work and where do they want to play and where do they want to live? And they want to be in places that have good controls, good environment space, good amenities, all those things, building systems that are the most efficient and the most modern. And whether that's office space, whether that's residential space, whether that's industrial space, whatever it is, and then government policy that's actually enacting and making a difference in the industry to move things forward. To your early point, Brady, about, you know, perhaps buying assets, which we can then improve on. And, you know, when you look at within the context of real estate and we talk about carbon intensity, there's a growing focus by the real estate sector on what does decarbonization look like at the sector? Can it ever achieve net zero? You know, the best solution to any real estate is to actually make existing assets better, more efficient, more environmentally friendly. And that's what we do. And that's where a lot of the most benefits can be earned. 
And from my perspective, being in the space for such a long time and ongoing discussions that I've been having with various players in the industry for the last 20 years is like, why should we do ESG? Is it diverting us from what we should be focusing on, which is basically making money for our investors, which it is. But ESG also, when it's done well and done thoughtfully, is actually a really strong risk management tool as well, in addition to all the other risks that you need to be managing. And so I think that's where ESG can come in as a good risk tool, in addition to doing the right thing by society, by investors, etc., and fulfilling the fiduciary duty that you have to fulfill. Talking about investors and investor sentiment, how have you seen that change around ESG, particularly over the last few years? Brady? Yeah, I think definitely it is one of the critical checklist items moving forward in our space as a manager of other people's capital. They are looking for what type of ESG policies you have when you're underwriting and doing diligence on investing. Are you considering the E, the S, and the G? Have you developed a plan on what the potential risks are for the asset and how you might mitigate or be able to tackle any risks? And I think a lot of managers already think of that, but to be more formalized and have a framework and have a policy of how you're going to address those issues and those potential risks, if you don't have those systems and those policies in place, I think it's going to be more difficult for you to attract institutional capital. I see a humongous change in the last five years with respect to real estate. I think real estate has been somewhat of a laggard adapting those type of policies and considerations when making long-term investments and assets. And I think there's a huge opportunity for groups like ourselves to be forward-thinking. Blair, so you're based in the US and Brady is based in Europe and you both spend a great deal of time in Canada. So based from your different perspectives and where you spend most of your time, how does the conversation around ESG look like in all those different regions? And I, I think it's sad to what Brady said. 20 years ago, if there were a handful of investors that thought about ESG, they perhaps didn't talk about it in an open forum. It was just part of their core values. Now I would say globally, every investor knows about ESG. Some make it essential before they make an investment decision, and some want to make sure it's in every investment mm-hmm decision and some, it's not top of mind. However, everyone knows, which I think is a humongous move forward and change. But as your question stated, geography matters. I find that Europe leads the way. And I think that North America is catching up to that level. And I think you need to become more granular to the type of investor and what their values are and what drives them. And I think people, investors and managers and participants in the market need to choose how they want to make ESG. If I think about it at a high level, are you making the world a better place? Are you helping others and being a good person and you play by the rules? I think that's Slate's core values. And now we've just enacted it with your help immensely, the more formally. And that's who we are. Some investors, that really, 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 really matters more than investment returns. I know that sounds silly, but I know investment returns matter. And others are like, no, I'll do anything at all costs. So I'm not here to judge what is right or wrong, but I would say 
everyone is aware of ESG. I think people are just choosing now what's the most important to them. I believe that at Slate, we've always had it as part of our core values and we can put that in our core values and still deliver the investment returns because we're not going to do everything at you know, for one reason and one reason only. So I think it depends on the investor. And I think it depends on the manager. But that's changed and geography has mattered, but I think it's still the decisions. It comes down to each individual investor, in my opinion. Great. And what about you, Brady, with your European hat on? European and Canadian hat on? Yeah, I, uh, I wear both hats. I agree with Blair. I think in general, European investors seem to be a little bit further ahead, maybe than North America in general, about ESG policies and looking at investing in real estate. And that's from the equity side. I would also say from just capital as a whole, investing into the real estate sector, it's just not the equity. It's also the debt providers and lenders. A lot of the larger bank lenders are also focused on ESG and part of their underwriting is to look at what the manager's ESG policies are and are they ingraining that into their investment decisions? Because from a bank's perspective, if they're providing you a five or 10-year loan, they want to know that in five or 10 years when that loan expires, that there's been a plan to make sure that those assets aren't stranded, that the borrower has been reinvesting and at least considering the types of investments that need to be made to move that asset forward so that it is in a good place when that loan expires. So it's not just the equity, it's also the debt. So I think for groups that aren't thinking that way, it's going to be more difficult for them to attract capital both on the equity and the debt side. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you talk about that, actually. It's a really good point to bring up because I think there's a lot of really interesting activity taking place in the debt markets at the moment, both at the bond level, the lending side of things, the sovereign debt as well. A lot of talk about the role of how these kind of lending activities can have that ESG flavor to them. And there's, you know, lots of different activities related to the sustainability linked loans and then the kind of green loans, et cetera. So it's a huge market in its own right. And there's a huge level of appetite for green debt, as it's called. And certainly what I'm seeing that in discussions that I'm hearing, there's definitely a greater onus on borrowers now to demonstrate the ESG credentials and how well they are doing that. And the way that debt guys are looking at this is, is this something that could be a future risk to my loan? And how are they managing that? And so they want to check that off, which comes back to my earlier point about ESGs being another risk tool. So moving on, really, in terms of looking a little bit forward. So we know, and just coming on to the big topic for real estate, which is climate change, carbon emissions. So as we all know, the real estate sector and it's across its value chain emits approximately 40% of global carbon emissions. That's a huge chunk of carbon that the industry is responsible for. And obviously there's growing pressure on both real estate owners to decarbonize. And how do you see the whole kind of climate decarbonization, net zero, stranded asset debate playing out over the coming years? And do you have any burning questions that still remain unanswered for you as a real estate business leader? 
what do you think the industry is perhaps not looking at or considering and perhaps there's still too much higher level strategy but not looking at the practicals i'd love to get your insights on this given that you know your your track record in the industry and the number of years you've been in this space so brady i want to start off with you on this because we've been having quite a lot of discussions on this you and i yeah for sure so actually i think you raised a bunch of interesting topics there because my personal opinion is when people talk esg they really get lost in this kind of almost a black box they don't really understand it but when you really break the E down, it's two things. It's the impact of climate change. And secondly, the transition to a net zero carbon environment. That's what the E is all about. It's just those two things. So then you say, okay, how does that apply into real estate? So when you think about investing in real estate, have you thought about where that asset is located if there's climate change consequences? For example, flooding. For example, more hurricanes, more tornadoes, more um, things that will create on the climate basis impacts that could affect your investment in that asset. So it's not do you invest, but have you thought about those things and how do you mitigate that risk? And then I think the second part is a huge opportunity, both from a real estate investor and for other investments that need to be made into cities and communities you talked about because they are such a large part of CO2 gas emissions. And that is, what are you doing to your buildings to make them more efficient, right? And you need to get granular on this. And there are very good examples, specifically in Europe more so, in the UK, where if your buildings have a certain energy efficiency rating that is in the top quartile, you can achieve better rents. And it's not just because of government policy. It's actually because that's what the tenants are looking for. So it's actually an empirical example of if you have assets that you've invested in that get to a better energy rating, you can actually achieve higher rents. Yeah, I mean, and, and also there's the ongoing discussion around the topic of stranded assets. So you mentioned, you know, making sure that buildings are resilient against climate change effects, weather extremes and making them more efficient, they're more attractive to tenants because clearly tenants would have their own sustainability, if you like, goals and objectives. They want to be in more energy efficient buildings, but also just picking up on that risk element of ESGs, like looking at what the stranded assets are. And and I think that also comes down to the point that Blair made earlier how important data is, because if you don't have the data, the suite of data necessary, like carbon emissions, energy use of a property, you cannot assess that risk properly. And there are some really great tools in Europe at the moment, such as the CREM tool that enables investors in real estate and owners of real estate to really assess where that stranded risk lies and where the major outliers are. And so that's something that's now becoming an industry standard as a main. So that's another important overlay to oversee. And do you see stranded asset risk as a risk for real estate investors? Or does that just kind of play into what you've just mentioned? And that's a question to both of you. Actually, when you were speaking there, there's one thing, is the one thing with real estate industry as a whole, they did a very good job of being able to create leases where they could pass on a lot of costs to make it what they call, to get too technical, triple net leases. So that the tenant was responsible for operating costs of whatever asset class it be, whether it's industrial or retail or office. 
But as a result of the industry moving forward to be able to transfer that risk and those costs to tenants, collecting data is very difficult, right? Because now on a lot of these older leases, you don't have the contractual right to collect that data because it's actually the tenant's responsibility. So to your point, I think that's what needs to change. And it's only going to change with the private sector working in tandem with the government sector to do it. Understanding that this is not to be compared, like if it's about comparison and who's better, we don't achieve it, as opposed to why are we doing this? We're doing this because we just want to be able to track what the energy consumption is and what can we do to change that energy consumption. And and for you, Blair, what are the kind of burning questions that for you still remain unanswered on ESG that you know the industry could perhaps be focusing on? I'm going to come at that a little bit different way because I've been trying to drive home in the conversation is people need to take personal responsibility for trying to make the world a better place, being good to others and following the rules. And so I'll give an example in real estate. I'll think of a grocery store, and this could be in the US or in Europe. If I work with my tenant to put in solar, I'm doing that for a long-term benefit of power for that building in that tenant. That's good for us economically. If I put in charging stations, it's good for their customers, which is good for my tenants. Good for me. I try and focus on things that we can control because this is the irony, in my opinion. We can only do what we can control and focus on, are we making the world a better place? Are we nice to others and playing by the rules? Because we do invest in some countries that put in the rules that you're talking about, really high level rules, but we do what we can say because we're doing the right things because that's our values. But maybe the countries have, for the right reasons, in their opinion, shut down certain power generation like nuclear and have one-way contracts with the country they're at war with and now this and are now burning coal. I am a taker of the power. I do not create the power for my buildings. I have to take what is given to me. Now, is that the right ESG decision they made? Not my call, because there's also security decisions. But what I can do is I can make my buildings the most efficient they can be to my tenants and everything else, but I can't control the power I get. I can try and make it better. So I really think ESG at a high level, what sometimes frustrates me is people get lost in a really, really big picture with no answers. And I think the only thing we all can do is everyone focuses on granular stuff, collecting data and making your assets better for your tenants and not making them zombies. That's better for everyone. That makes a lot of sense. I think if everyone focuses on what they control, inch by inch, we will get to a place that's better. Yeah, no, that's, that's all, that's all, you know, really valid points. And the one thing that I think is so unique to real estate in comparison to any other class when it comes to doing ESG is that it's so tangible. It's so visible. You can actually see it happen. And that is what I think is so exciting about real estate is that you can really see the real world impact. Just kind of closing out on one of the last questions. So kind of picking up on the point that Brady made about the fact that there is a need for players in the real estate sector to come together to make ESG workable and practical and address some of the challenges that we've got around data collection, et cetera. So again, if you were to look at this and within that context, if you look at all the different plays involved in real estate, 
How would you describe the role of each of those players delivering on ESG and climate change? So if you look at, for example, investors, fund managers, property managers, tenants, advisors, in kind of closing out remarks, who are the key players and who needs to come together and how? That's a big question, actually, perhaps on the closing line, but I'll give it a go nonetheless in terms of how we can deliver on ESG and climate change. What do you think the different players in the real estate value chain need to be focusing on to make that real world impact? People need to clearly define and be transparent in their values and collect the data on what they've done and why they did it and how they've improved or not improved in that sector. So it's about transparency of the data. And really what you're showing is how important is it to your values. And then investors can decide whether that's someone you want to invest with or not, because the investors have their own values as well. And because what I, I think the binary nature of it isn't the most logical thing because people want different things. The world's a big place. Everyone just needs to know where they sit on the ESG level and what values you want to put forth. And you need to have the data and the track record to show what you've done. And then you allow people to decide whether you know that works or that doesn't. I think going back to what I said 20 years ago, if five people thought about this and didn't talk about it, now everyone talks about it and a lot of people are doing it. That's a huge improvement. So now what we need to do is have the data show the real work that you're doing and the why, and then we'll continue to move forward. But you can't have these arbitrary rules of if you didn't do this or you didn't do that because there's billions of people with different thoughts and different values and different ideas with different assets. And I think it's too hard to put it in one box. I think what you need to do is, I did this because of this, and this is what I do to make the world a better place. And I'm good to people. Like That's how it has to be. I think people need to take more responsibility for themselves and have others decide if that fits with their lives. Yeah, that's a good closing out point, actually. So listen, it's been a great opportunity to have a chat to you, pin you down. I know you guys are always traveling on the road and in lots of meetings. So it's really good to have this discussion with the both of you and for your time to talk about ESG. We are very much looking forward to continuing with the ESG focused podcasts over the next, I think, two or three sessions. But I just would like to thank co-founders, the wonderful Welch brothers, Brady and Blair, <laughs> who have given up our time. So thank you very much to the both of you. Great discussion and over and out. Thanks, Lujana. You've been listening to Slated to Discuss, hosted by Slate Asset Management. Slate Asset Management is a global alternative investment platform targeting real assets. We are creatives, collaborators, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are looking to make a difference in the communities in which we invest. To learn more about Slate, explore our firm's real estate infrastructure and securities capabilities, and connect with us further to discuss any of the topics we touch on in our podcast, head over to slateam.com. We'll see you next time on Slated to Discuss.